What's good, everyone? Crystal Starting Show here. And before we get into today's episode, I just have a couple announcements I want to make. The first one is I have started my own YouTube channel where I'm here to help people save, grow, and protect their money. So make sure you subscribe to my channel. And also here on the Roommates platform, I am interviewing people around finances. So I have people coming with real estate about how to pay down debt, how to invest, all those different things. So I want you all to do to make sure you get your pen and your paper out and take notes because the information that is provided during these podcast episodes are so valuable. And with that being said, let's get started with today's episode. Um, many people have been lied to in terms of the single family home uh, being part of the American dream. The American dream is to live, to be free, mm -hmm. right? To be free. And a single family home in many cases is bondage mm -hmm. for people. They're literally stuck. The easiest way to retain an employee for 30 years on a job that they hate is to help them get a mortgage. Wow. The word mortgage, the etymology of the word mortgage literally means death pledge. Wow. You take the prefix mort, mortician, or mortuary, the word mortgage literally means death pledge. And there are many single family buyers who feel stuck and trapped, and they're afraid to leave a job that they hate mm. because they're afraid of missing one single mortgage payment. What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Roommates Podcast. Man, Chris, the star of the show here. I'm, listen, I am excited for this episode. You know, I've been watching this brother for a while. He, the way he educates, the way he speaks, the way he leads, but more importantly, his heart behind it all mm -hmm. is beautiful to see. You know, it's something that is very inspiring. You know, something that I can look up to and want to be like as I continue to get older. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Mr. Multifamily, Julian Gordon. What's going on, What's man? What's going on, Chris? How you doing, brother? I'm doing <laughs> good, man. I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here I'm with you. I'm excited to be here, man. Thanks for coming out. So for mm -hmm. those who do not know you, can you give them a quick 30-second uh, you know, introduction about yourself? Yeah. I mean, my first identity before anything is that I'm a child of God. Mm. That's where I start, and that's where everything that I do uh, comes from. So I start there. That is my highest identity. But in addition to that, uh, people know me online as a real estate investor, a real estate developer, and a real estate educator. Um, and then in addition to that, I'm a proud father mm. of a beautiful seven-year-old girl. And um, yeah, that's that's who I am at my core. Man, that's that's beautiful, man. So how did Mr. Multifamily come about? Like, where did it start? You know, yeah. how did you get into it and, you know, got you to where you are today? Yeah, it actually started way back when I was in elementary school. Um, my mother, she bought a single family home in Oakland, California, and she was a doctor. She and my dad both were along the lines of the Cosby dream, right? Um, two working black professionals. Uh, they got divorced when I was one years old, though. Um, so she had bought this home on her own. Uh, and then she ended up experiencing some mental health challenges. And uh, as a result, she was no longer able to practice. And her income stream, her single income stream, though it was high, uh, was gone. Mm. And as a result, she ended up losing that home. That home today is worth almost $2 million. Wow. And that is generational wealth that will not be passed down to me, her only child at this particular time. So um, after going through that experience and seeing that from a distance, I actually didn't know until after I was in college when it actually happened. Um, but I was living there during elementary school and, and junior high school. Um, after that experience, I knew that 
there was something wrong, right? This is somebody who had done everything that they were supposed to, checked off all the boxes, yet they had lost this single family home. And of course, that doesn't happen to everyone, but you could just see how one single event can actually change the financial trajectory of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And so um, in college, I bumped into the same book that you bumped into, mm-hmm. which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad yes. by Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, once I read that, I knew that I was going to be buying a multifamily home first, not a single family home. And um, and so uh, that took some time. Um, I was navigating entrepreneurship. I was navigating uh, nonprofit jobs and things of that nature. My last job that I ever had was at a, as a nonprofit after college. And uh uh, I was living in Brooklyn, New York, and mm. you know Brooklyn. The prices in Brooklyn are through the roof. Mm. So it took me some time to actually put myself in a position to buy my first multifamily home, which was May of 2013. It was a triplex in Brooklyn in Bed Stuy, um, and at that time, Brooklyn wasn't what it was today. Yeah. What it is today, excuse me. Um, you know, it was known as Crooklyn or Do or Die <laughs> Bed Stuy, oh, right? Uh, and and um, but. When it comes to buying real estate in the right way, you have to buy in those kind of neighborhoods where you're starting to see the 33 signs of gentrification. At that time when I bought there, Brooklyn had about 10 to 15 signs of gentrification. And I could see the wave coming from Dumbo. You know, Jay-Z in 444 said, you know, I should have bought in Dumbo, Dumbo, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then it was coming to Fort Greene. Then it was coming to Stuyvesant Heights. Then it was coming through Bed-Stuy. Mm. And I saw that wave coming. I was like, if I could just find the right property that was on this side of the wave, I'll be able to catch that wave and ride it all the way to East New York all the way out to JFK. Mm. And that's exactly what occurred. So in May of 2013, I was walking to the post office and I saw an open house sign. And um, I followed the balloons and I went around the corner and literally the property that I bought shares a backyard with the property that I was renting at. Wow. So I was literally working on the second floor. My office was at the back of that apartment on Fulton Street. And I was literally looking at this house the entire time. Wow. That's just, that's just, that's fate. Yeah, that's fate right <laughs> yeah. there. And so knowing what I knew from Robert Kiyosaki and my own vision, um, I moved quickly. I got all my documents in. And at that time, I was an entrepreneur. So I was mm. only making $36,000 at that time. I was early on in my business. I quit my job January 9th, 2009 at the bottom of the last recession. So I was still finding my way as an entrepreneur. Wow. Um, and uh, What were you doing at that time, just out of curiosity? Uh, I was teaching workshops in my living room on yeah. how to find your purpose and live in alignment with that. And then I started speaking across the country at colleges, and then that led to uh, corporations, then it led to some one-on-one coaching. But I was still trying to find my way as an entrepreneur, as a coach, and as a speaker, and as an author. And so um, a lot of people ask me, how did you get finance for that home um, with only $36,000 of entrepreneurial income? And what most people don't know is that financing for multifamily real estate is different than financing for single-family real estate. Mm. If you go get finance for a single-family home, Typically, the lender will give you credit for or pre-approve you for about six times your W-2 income or whatever income you've reported to the IRS if you're an entrepreneur. And so wow. uh, six times $40,000 would be around $240,000. That's not enough to buy real estate in New York, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what most people don't know is that the lender will give you credit for 75% of the rents that you're going to get mm. once you purchase the property and add that to your reported income, right? So, for instance, if this multifamily is producing $4,000 a month in rental income, the lender is going to take $3,000 per month, multiply that by 12 months, which is $36,000 and add it on to your $40,000 of W-2 income. So now you're qualified for $76,000 as opposed to 
uh, only 240. Yeah, 200, so you're yeah. almost able to buy twice as much real estate. Yeah. You know the rents in New York are extremely high, right? And so immediately with one single move, I went from paying expensive rent in Brooklyn to now being paid expensive rent in Brooklyn. Yeah. Because with the rents included on top of my existing income, I was able to afford the triplex that was right behind the property that I was renting. And so that's what got me into the game. Then as I tried to uh, start expanding, um, saving up for a down payment for your next property can be challenging. Mm. And most people don't know that there are programs out there for your first property, owner-occupied. There's prop uh, programs that are 0% down and some like FHA, which are 3.5% down, right? And But when you're buying your next property, it's going to be 25% down if it's non-owner-occupied. Mm. So 25% down on a million-dollar property is $250,000, yeah. right? And that's just a down payment. That does not include closing costs or anything like that. No. And so I knew that in order to scale my portfolio, it was going to be difficult to do that in New York unless I ran the FHA play again. And so I started looking for a different market. And the market that I fell in love with was in New Orleans. I traveled there many times as a speaker. Um, and when you land in New Orleans, you feel like you need a passport, right? Yeah. Because the culture is so rich there. I've traveled to all over the country. And sometimes when I was traveling as a speaker, I didn't even know where I was because everything just looked the same. <laughs> I did, what, what airport am I at now, yeah. right? But when you're in New Orleans, the culture is so rich. And I wanted to be a part of preserving that because I saw the same gentrification that I saw in Oakland, where I'm from, the same gentrification that I saw in L.A. and Inglewood, where I was running the nonprofit, same gentrification patterns that I saw in Brooklyn and Bed-Stuy. I saw them starting to happen in New Orleans. Right. And so I wanted to make sure that it didn't happen there because this was the this was the city of the most rich culture, black culture in the entire United States. Yeah. And so um, I started investing from a distance and, um, you know, uh, shopping in for real estate in New Orleans is like shopping at Ross, whereas shopping for real estate in New York is like shopping at Neiman Marcus, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I can get a duplex or a triplex for how much, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, give me three of those. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, I was starting to expand my portfolio while living in Brooklyn, expand my portfolio in New Orleans. And uh, from there, people started asking me, how was I doing this as I was sharing my successes? And um, more people were asking me, how do I invest in real estate? Then they were asking me anything else. Yeah. More than how do you, I become a speaker? How do I start a business? More people were asking me, how do I grow a real estate portfolio? And so that led to the evolution of Mr. Multifamily. And yeah. for me, um, you know, I told you first and foremost that I'm a child of God. And when you think about God's first gift to man before life, it was actually land. Yeah, The land was here before we were given life. Right. When the creator creates, it creates the system or the environment that its most prized creation has to dwell in and survive through, not to survive, but thrive in first. And so for me, um, the acquisition of land and the assets that are on top of it is really spiritual and sacred work for me. And uh, we've allowed uh, other cultures to take land in disproportionate amounts um, and and uh, it's time for us to come and reclaim the land back. Land is more valuable than your gold. It's more valuable than your money. You cannot eat your money. You cannot yeah. drink your money. But the land was here to provide for us in every single way possible, from a place that you could build your home off of to a place where you could eat from, yeah. right? The land was here for that. And I think we've undervalued land, but there's no more land being made. They're printing money every single day, but yeah. there's no more land being made. And so... Um, we are here to reclaim that land. And especially uh, for those of us of African descent, um, we have to be aware that uh, there are people of African descent here 
before the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. So all of us didn't come through boats. And so what many of us are doing is actually reclaiming the land of our ancestors uh, based on the history that they do not teach us. And because you have to really ask yourself, how would people know how to grow all these things on the land if it wasn't part of their culture? Mm. How would you just export people from a different place, put them here, and all of a sudden they just know how to grow everything that's there? Yeah. No, it's because we were here. Mm. We knew the land. Mm. We were familiar with it. We understood how it worked. It wasn't just that, oh, we were growing this in Africa so we can actually grow that over here. No, the environment is different. Yeah. And so um, when you start to recognize that um, they call America the land of the free because they got so much free land that it was stolen from us, not just Native Americans, um, then you realize that you have a, a claim and a right to uh, own here. Now, for people of African descent and the original children of God, we didn't perceive land as something to be owned. Mm. It was here before I got here. How can I say I own it? Yeah. It was here before I got, it was given to me yeah. as a gift. But we stepped into a paradigm where this idea of private property came into being and people started putting up fences saying, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. And so now that is the world that we live in, um, unfortunately. And so rather than us sharing land together, which is more abundant, uh, has enough abundance for us all to benefit from, um, we have people with disproportionate amounts of land that they own and control. And um, it's our responsibility to, even though we worked it for free, even though it was stolen, um, we are actually here paying for it a third time by having to buy it back. And this is where the whole buy back the block movements are coming across, coming from in all the chocolate cities across the country. Yeah, no, I mean, that that is beautifully well said. And I don't I don't want my audience to not understand who I have sitting across from me. You know, like you are literally a, a, a mogul. You know, you are a, a staple in the multifamily industry, real estate industry, period. You know, so. I want you to, you know, you ain't got to share everything, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, they, they, they heard, you know, I'm making $36,000 as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. What do you, like, I want them to see the vision of like what real estate can do for them, how yeah. it can change their life, you know? So what are some benefits of investing in real estate that has personally affected you? Yo, what's good, everybody? We're going to take a quick pause from this week's amazing episode to talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is a real A1 day one from the roommates, and we absolutely love Skillshare because they are a unique online learning community where men and women can learn all types of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Man, so many men for the past years in the roommates have been learning, have been blossoming, have been transforming from Skillshare because not only do you get the first month free to test it out, but Skillshare has such a vast library of courses, of resources that you guys can be able to tap into today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates and take advantage of this opportunity. Guys, on the podcast, we meet so many amazing men and women who are so talented, but they didn't get their skills overnight. They had to master these things and Skillshare gives Gives you all the resources that you can be able to master your best self and tap into your full potential. So do not delay. Get on Skillshare today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Trust me. You'll thank us later. And let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah. So the first thing that um, acquiring that triplex in Brooklyn, New York allowed me to do, it allowed me to get rid of my housing expense forever. Please repeat that because like 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 I don't people understand like with housing expense man like you can get that go away 
I'm gonna let you explain. Lord. The first thing it did was allow me to get rid of my housing expense forever. Mm. I'm mm. not paying mm. rent. I've had to pay principal, interest, tax, insurance, capex repairs, or vacancy rate since May of 2013, since I got the keys to that property because it was a multifamily home. Mm. Mm. And when you get rid of your housing expense, it changes everything for you financially. The first thing that it did for me, it allowed me to um, continue to explore my purpose yeah. so that I didn't have to do work that was an, not in alignment with who I was created to be. Because now I didn't have this expensive rent of $1,500 a month, $2,000 a month going out my pocket that I had to crack that code. Now you my housing. People, you had people paying that rent. You know, you had tenants in that rent that's doing that. So it freed up your time to focus on your purpose. Like you 100%. Said. And that is the breathing room that having multifamily real estate, that first property allows you to do. It allows you to get to rent and mortgage freedom. Mm. And so just from a compound interest standpoint, if you are able, let's say your rent is $1,000 a month. If you could save $1,000 a month and invest it at just 6%, which is very conservative. It is. And you do that for 30 years, you would be a millionaire. You would have $1,015,590 in cash mm. if you could literally just stop paying $1,000 to another family every single month and invest that at 6%. Mm. Mm -hmm. So just doing that thing alone is going to change the financial trajectory of your life. Yep. And there is no other way to get rid of your housing expense in that kind of way unless you choose to live in a tent. <laughs> you can go to jail. Oh, no, we don't want to do that. Right. Or you can die. But even when you die, guess what? Still you still got to pay. You still got to pay for a funeral plot. That's mm -hmm. still real estate that you have to pay for. And so the only healthy way or thriving way that I know of to get rid of your housing expense forever is to buy multifamily real estate. And so that's the first thing that it does. Um, the next thing is, that it does is that it pays you. There's positive cash flow. So you go from paying somebody else to live to now being paid to live, mm. right? And so we call that cash from cash return. And at the very minimum, you want your multifamily real estate to have a, a bare minimum of 12% cash from cash return. Now, to compare that to the S&P 500, since January 1st of 2000, right, to mm. the end of 2021, the S&P 500, the major stock market index, only grew at a rate of 5.76%. Right. Mm. People think that the stock market just grows at 10 percent every single year. It's not mm. true. Yeah. The S&P 500 has only grown at 5.76 percent over the past 21 years, which is a fair amount of time. Yeah. Right. And so multifamily real estate performs at two to three times the stock market mm. without the volatility. Mm. Oh, but Julian, what about the housing market crashes and that single family houses crash? Wow. Multifamily homes do not crash. And here's why. When somebody gets foreclosed on on a single family home, what do they have to do to live? They got to go find some place. Like, rent. they got to rent something. They got to rent. Mm -hmm. So demand actually goes up. There you go. So this is why multifamily real estate is so powerful. So one, you've gotten rid of your housing expense. Two, this house is now paying you, yeah. right? The third thing is that you get appreciation, right? And you can get appreciation from stocks. And when stocks goes up, it is appreciated. Real estate are typically appreciates at 3% per year on average, right? Um, but the rates of appreciation over the past two years since COVID have been through the roof. I'm talking double digits, 10%, 15% in some markets, mm. right? So remember, you only put down 0% to 3.5%. But what's appreciating is the full value of that property. So let's say you bought a $300,000 property and you put down 3.5%. That's only a $10,500 down payment, right? Mm -hmm. But that property appreciated by 3% which is $9,000 because the $300,000 yeah. appreciated. Yeah. 
So you almost got your money back just like that in one year. Yeah. All right. So that's the third thing is appreciation. The next thing is principal pay down. When the tenant pays you rent, some of that rent, about uh, about 60% of the money that the tenant gives you goes towards principal, interest, taxes, insurance, capex repairs over vacancy rate. So when you're paying down your principal, your debt is going down. And when your debt is going down, your net worth is going up. up right. And then finally, there are so many tax benefits to owning multifamily real estate that single family real estate does not offer um, that you can literally deduct uh, all your mortgage interest, any expenses related to that property. You can um, you can uh, deduct roofs, right? Mm -hmm. um, roofs, electric uh, work, leaks, plumbing, all of that stuff. You get to deduct that from your tax liability. And so literally on a $300,000 property that I have in New Orleans, over the next 30 years, I'm going to save $278,000 in taxes. Sheesh. So I paid three hundred for the property, but over thirty years, I saved two hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars in taxes, right? And so, essentially, that property over time is free. Yeah. So, so that's the benefits of multifamily real estate, and many people just don't know because the American Dream uh, programs you to go get a single-family home, keep up with the Joneses, right? But what most people don't know is that they watch shows like HGTV, and HGTV will convince you that um, you got the keys. Congrats, you're a homeowner. And that's a lie. Mm. You're not a homeowner. You're a home buyer. Mm. Those are two different things. Explain the difference. You've bought a home. Okay. Owning a home means that you don't owe anybody else. Who? But for most people, when they're starting out, they use FHA or conventional low down payment program. So the bank actually owns 96.5% of your home. You only own a small portion of it so you're a home buyer at this point until you have the full deed right yeah. until you, there's no lien holder on that property you are not the owner okay so we have to be very careful with our language on top of that many single family buyers they feel like oh well at least i'm not renting anymore <laughs> yes you are <laughs> you're not renting from a landlord you are renting from a bank yeah you are renting the bank's money and what is the cost of renting the bank's money it's called interest yeah on your first mortgage payment of $2,000, 70% of that is going towards interest. Sheesh. Only $600 going towards principal. So you're telling me that you put in $2,000 to an ATM machine and three seconds later, you only got credited for $600? <laughs> That's a terrible transaction. Yes. Right? And so on top of that, what most single family buyers don't account for is that the price of the home is not the true price of the home. You have to add in all the interest that you're going to pay. Mm. So that $300,000 home at a 4% interest rate with only 3.5% down in terms of down payment, that's actually going to cost you $508,000. On the surface, it looked like a $300,000 home. But when you add in all the interest and all the additional expenses yeah. from the roof, the, the plumbing, et cetera, that you had to fix along the way, all the maintenance, that home is actually going to cost you over $500,000, though the sticker price only looked like $300,000. And so this is where um, many people have been lied to in terms of the single family home uh, being part of the American dream. The American dream is to live, to be free, mm. right? To be free. And a single family home in many cases is bondage mm. for people. They're literally stuck. The easiest way to retain an employee for 30 years on a job that they hate is to help them get a mortgage. Wow. The word mortgage, the etymology of the word mortgage, it literally means death pledge. Wow. You take the prefix mort, mortician, or mortuary, the word mortgage literally means death pledge. And there are many single family buyers who feel stuck and trapped. 
and they're afraid to leave a job that they hate mm. because they're afraid of missing one single mortgage payment. And that that's so true. You know, and I, I could see that in people that I know. I could see it on the internet. And, you know, to the men and the, the young women that are, are watching, I don't want them to get in that position. That's why we're here. Yes. So for let's just give an example for a young man, 25 years old, mm-hmm. making fifty thousand dollars, not really don't have five thousand dollars in saving. Mm-hmm. You know, what is your advice to somebody like that? What should he do? Should he go towards the multifamily route? Should he save and wait for the best deal? What is your advice to those kind of people? Yeah, so if you're making $50,000 and don't have $5,000 in savings, something is broken in your financial system. Explain that. If you're making $50,000, you should be tithing to yourself first. Mm. We hear about tithing to the church, but guess what? The temple is where? Point to your temple. Right here. Oh, yeah? Ah, Aren't these your temples? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So you tithe here first. That means mm. you invest in yourself first. So 10% of $50,000 should mean that $5,000 is in an account for you to invest in yourself. Yes. Right? So something's broken. If you are a single young man, 25 years old, making $50,000 and don't have $5,000 saved, something's broken. Mm. Okay? You're either spending your money on things that are expenses and liabilities when the true name of the game is to buy assets and income. Mm. You're, you're buying expenses and liabilities when the true game is to buy assets and income. What do you mean buy income? Yeah, you buy income. When I buy a multifamily home, I'm buying income. Mm. That home pays me every single month for the rest of my life. I bought income. You don't just have to work for income. You can buy income when you invest in things the right way, right? So if I'm that young man, and I was essentially that young man, yeah. I'm going to look for, uh, I'm going to try to get rid of my housing expense forever. And so I'm going to look for a low to no down payment assistance program like FHA, which is three and a half percent down. That's a government program or NACA, which is zero percent down. Right. Wow. And I'm going to seek to get a multifamily home as quickly as possible. But now quick is not the right word. You want to find the right deal, as you said. And you have to understand that, that there's a huge difference between a real estate listing and a real estate deal. Mm. Every listing that is posted on Truly and Zillow is not a deal. A deal means that, one, you bought it at a price where there's built-in equity. So you bought it at a price where you got it for locked in the contract at $400,000, but it appraised at four forty. So you've already won off the top. Yeah. That it also has a 12% or greater cash-on-cash return, and that based on the 33 signs of gentrification, there's potential for it to appreciate significantly over time. Like my property in Brooklyn, it fits all three of those criteria. So while I'm willing to still have people live above me or next door to me in that stage of life, while I'm in that stage of life, I was willing to sleep on a piece of cardboard. Mm. I was willing to sacrifice like that. I wasn't familiar with what it meant to have hotel pillows and, and a, a mm. Tempur-Pedic bed at that stage of life. I was coming out of a dorm room yeah, yeah. <laughs> recently. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So while you're willing to make those sacrifices and... It's really about keeping your cost of living as low as possible so that you can stack up enough bread to actually invest and start acquiring assets. And the first one that I believe that you should acquire should be multifamily real estate. We get rid of your housing expense for the rest of your life. It will change the financial trajectory of your life forever. That's, that's beautiful. I think what, what I want to know, this is a personal question, bump the cameras. Mm-hmm. How do you know if you find the right deal? Like what exactly does that look like? I know you talked about having appreciation, having some equity. Yeah. You know, but like location, gentrification, and you know, the 33 signs of gentrification is everything. Yeah. 
But how do you know it's like this is it? Like I need to move on it right now. Great question. Um, so in addition to those signs, um, in addition to the, those are my three criteria. Yeah. But if I was going to add anything else to that, um, this is really important is that uh, does it work from an economic standpoint? Mm. Many people make real estate purchases based on emotions. Yeah. I do not use emotions when it comes to evaluating real estate deals because while you are going to live there as owner occupied, FHA requires you to owner occupy it for at least a year. Does this deal actually still work when you move out? Gotcha. Does it still work when you move out? Will this be an asset that you can keep in your family's name forever once you move out? When you're able to find your single family home, right? And rent this unit, do the numbers work on this particular property, right? So that's that's how you know is that even after I run the play, after I fulfill the owner occupancy requirements, et cetera, is this still an asset that is going to increase my net worth year by year by year by year by year. So again, like you said, built-in equity, cash on cash return, definite appreciation potential based on the 33 signs of gentrification. And then once I fulfill my owner occupancy requirements, does this deal still work? Yeah. Yeah. So how many uh, multifamily units are you on right now? Uh, 40. 40? Yeah. 40? Yeah. That's in my private portfolio. Oh, man. Don't eat, don't, oh, Lord. <laughs> That's in my private portfolio. <laughs> when, somebody, when somebody hit this move right here and talk about their <laughs> private portfolio, that means there's more to come. Because <laughs> there's other ways to own multifamily real estate. And so I'm actually the lead investor in about four black real estate funds as well. Because um, I'm just committed to us building back our communities up. And so uh, there are developers that I believe in. Um, in fact, one in Houston, Chris Senegal. Actually, there's two in Houston. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting up with Chris Senegal. Yeah, yeah. Don't that's work. A, that's my brother. <laughs> so uh, we've, we've invested together. Uh, I participated in his fund as well as an additional fund that just he and I are part part of um uh there's a fund here in atlanta and also um my brother anthony kimball and tevin wade and i we developed the fund the buyback baton rouge fund in baton Mm -hmm. rouge louisiana so um i'm lead investor in uh those funds and and so i have partial ownership of those entire portfolios and so um there are doors associated with i don't actually own the doors personally but when you add in the scope of the work and what we're developing um there's uh my portfolio was greater than just the 40 that I privately own. Got you. Yeah. So if I was sit here sitting across from this table right now and ask you like, Julian, I want to own 40 multifamily units. Mm-hmm. What is your step-by-step advice for that? Is it, you know, educate, you know, like really learn, really dive in. Is it mentorships, surrounding yourself with the right people, networking, you know, really boots on the ground. What What is that process look like? Yeah. So, um, I would say, what is your primary source of income? Mm Because you're going to need some income to get finance and to actually make these down payments. So what assets do we have to tap into? It could be single family equity. You have equity in your single family home. Okay. It's your job. Is there a way for us to increase your cost of living so that we have more money to deploy at a higher rate than your savings account, which is only uh, giving you 0.03% interest in a Bank of America savings account? Um, So we need to find out what your sources are first um, and how to increase those. Can we uh, add in a side hustle? Is Mm -hmm. there a way for you to create an online course? Is there a way for you to... um, monetize another skill set that you have in a greater way than you're currently doing at your job right um so that's first and foremost how do we increase your income right then from there uh because i've had a i've had a student who in seven months acquired 28 doors 
seven months, mm-hmm. 28. I have to ask how much money that person was making. I do not know their income, but they've mm. acquired $2.65 million worth of real estate. Oh, my God. In seven months. Yeah. They learned the game from me and they ran with it. So to acquire real estate at that level and that speed um, is really about deal flow. Mm. Because we're just not going to acquire everything that comes to the table. Everything still has to be a deal. And so you need enough deals coming through the top of the pipeline to be be able to evaluate. So that means building a relationship with multiple real estate agents. It means building a relationship with wholesalers. These are the people who put out those we buy houses cash signs. Those are wholesalers. And they are just serving as brokers. They, they spend their time. They don't have cash. So they're spending their time investigating and finding deals. And then they're matching that deal with a buyer. Okay? Mm. And so they take a cut in the middle. So building those relationships um, to acquire 40 units uh, as quickly as possible, you're also going to have to look in a less expensive, non-sexy market. Mm. All the sexy markets where all the major airports are, though they um, the prices there are too high at this moment in time to build a portfolio at that scale. So uh, I would look for a smaller, less expensive market like I did in Baton Rouge uh, mm. and New Orleans, right? People were, weren't checking for New Orleans. People weren't checking for Baton Rouge. And so that's where I've scaled. Now, the other way to scale a portfolio is to establish yourself as someone who understands what they're doing, knows how to run the numbers, knows how to put a deal together. And then from there, you actually raise a fund. And so through raising a fund, now we can find ourselves in a way where we are bringing in multiple investors, right, mm-hmm. um, who have cash that is sitting in a bank account that is not working that hard at all. And we can raise that fund and then we can go put it into these assets. And then as the uh, as the um, managing partner on that deal, we now have. Uh, own a portion of that larger portfolio that we've attracted, but you're going to have to establish yourself, yeah. right, as somebody who's credible and knows what they're doing and understands the game. And I think the easiest way to do that is for you to get your first property on your own, right, and show that you've done it on your own and maybe even another property on your own so that they know that you know what you're doing and can trust in you to deploy their capital and run this play just at a larger scale. Yeah. So those are the two ways. So one, a smaller, less expensive less sexy market, right? A secondary market. Like one of the best rental markets right now is Mesa, Arizona. Where's Mesa, Arizona? Yeah. It's 15 minutes outside of Phoenix. Phoenix is getting too expensive. So where are people going? They happen to be going to this place called Mesa, Arizona, which is 15 minutes outside. So where the opportunities are, are not in these major markets right now at these prices. They're going to be in smaller, less expensive, uh, less sexy markets. And then two, uh, you can actually raise a fund once you've established yourself as somebody who understands the game and can attract resources um, to deploy uh, uh, through crowdfunding. I really, I really want to know the, how can I put this? I really want to know when you, when you, we're in the weeds of really trying to figure out and find your purpose mm-hmm. and find your passion behind it. What was your mindset like? And then what was the aha moment that got you to like, this is it. I want to go teach everybody this. Yeah. So it's been an evolutionary process. Um, the way it started for me um, was uh, at the age of 18, I got held up at gunpoint for a car that I bought. Wow. Um, I bought a Mercedes Benz, a 1990 190E, and I bought that car because both my parents had Mercedes. And so I wanted to show them that I was on a path to success like them by acquiring the things that they got faster than they got them. And within two weeks of having that car, um, I was held up at gunpoint and the car was gone just wow. like that. 
And so that was a huge wake up call for me because I could have lost my life at the age of 18. And um, and it made me start asking some more serious questions. First question I had to ask myself was whose definition of success was I living? And it was clear that I was living my parents definition of success. I couldn't see it because I was it was all programming. Right. It did not make sense for me as an 18 year old to buy a Mercedes Benz, yeah. a European car. Right. I had the money to buy it at this used car auction. Right. But I didn't have the money to maintain that kind of car. In fact, when I bought it at the auction, uh, once I drove it off the lot, it broke down on the way home out yeah. off the lot. Wow. And so I spent all the money that I had uh, at that time to actually fix it. And so uh, and then after I got it back two weeks later, uh, it was stolen. Sheesh. So having a near death experience um, was a huge wake up call for me and started my internal journey right rather than trying to show that i was successful externally i went internal that summer i happened to be an ra so my housing shout out to the ras in the world man <laughs> yeah. we here baby yeah, we yeah, here yeah. <laughs> so uh i happened to be an ra so my housing and food was covered my basic necessities yeah. all your needs will be met and so um uh so there was no more partying for me i had no more money so i went through a deep space of introspection mm. and i kept asking those questions whose definition of success was i living and then what is my definition of success and once I got clear on my definition of success, then I realized that it was actually different than what my parents had taught me and what society was teaching me. And I just started going after my definition of success. So that near-death experience was important for me on my journey. I'm grateful for it now. I was not grateful for it in that moment, mm -hmm. but I'm grateful for it now. And for some people, that trigger happens with a car accident. A lot of my friends who I consider uh, awoke. Um, it happened through a car accident, losing somebody near and dear to them earlier than they anticipated. Um, it could be divorce. It could be a diagnosis. My hope is that it does not require these hard negative events to get people to say, look, this life is short and I have to live it in the way that on my own terms as, as soon as possible. I can't delay and just hope that there's another day. I have to take full advantage of the life that I have uh, here and now. So uh, from there, I started getting very clear on what my purpose and passion was. And um, I started working with youth. Uh, I was running a nonprofit where we did free college counseling and homework assistance for youth in uh, LAUSD and Inglewood Unified School District. Mm. So I ran that program called the SHAPE program out of UCLA for about two years. And then I went off to business school to Stanford, but I didn't go to business school um, uh, to go work a corporate job. I went to business school to really understand entrepreneurship. Prior to that, my entrepreneurship journey started with a CD burner that I bought in high school. <laughs> I was downloading songs off of Napster. Uh, yeah. I recognize it was illegal now, but then I did not know, right? Um, they were still having cases um, and I was selling burn CDs. And then in college that led to me selling t-shirts and uh, time management planners and wow. things of that nature. So I just wanted to take my entrepreneurship to a new scale. So that's why I went to business school. I skipped the summer internship that most people do in business school because I was not trying to go work for anybody. I was trying to build something of significance and of my own. And so um, from there, uh, my business was not built to the uh, to a place that it could sustain me at the end of business school. So I took another job at a nonprofit um, and uh, I was running their marketing department and I made a commitment to myself when I took that job. I called it a bridge job that I was going to quit when I reached six months of savings or at the 18 month mark. Wow. Whichever one came first. So my cost of living, I told you, keep your cost of living low at the uh, 
my cost of living in Brooklyn, New York was only $3,000 per month. That was mm. most of that was rent. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's why I was trying to get rent <laughs> off the table. But then food, uh, food, um, some student loans and things of that nature. My cost of living wasn't that high. So six months of that is $18,000. So at the 17 month mark, I reached my six month savings goal. And I knew that I was going to step into my purpose mm. at that moment in time. That moment in time happened to be the lowest point in our economy in the past like five decades yeah. since like the Great Depression. Yeah. If you go look at the stock market at that moment in time, it was at the lowest point ever. But what allowed me to move in confidence was that um, in my spiritual journey, which was also going on simultaneously, I recognized that I was created for a purpose. The purpose Driven Life had come out. That book had mm. come out at that at th- that time. And I was like, why would my creator create me for a purpose and then not give me everything I need to succeed at that purpose? That would be a cruel creator. Yeah. And so since I didn't believe that my creator would create me for a purpose and then not give me everything that I need to succeed, then I went full force into what I believe was being in alignment with what I was created to do. And so some people ask me, Julian, how do you find your purpose? And um, my my answer is, what's the purpose of a cup? Mm. What can a cup be used for? Yeah. A cup typically is used to hold liquids, mm-hmm. but it can also hold pens on a desk. Yeah. We could trap insects with it. We could play catch with a cup. There's a lot of things that we can do with a cup. But in order to find the true purpose of a cup, what do you have to do? You have to ask its creator. Mm. And so how do you find your purpose? You got to ask. You got to go ask your creator. And so how do you talk to your creator? Some people do that through prayer. Some people do that through meditation. But you have to have that conversation with your creator to get clear on what your purpose is. And so my purpose uh, at this moment in time is to help as many people as possible get free through multifamily real estate. Um, my ancestor spirit that guides me is Harriet Tubman. Over the course of a decade, she freed 300 people mm. um, on the Underground Railroad. And I believe that multifamily real estate is the above ground railroad. Wow. And right now, to this date, uh, I've helped 292 people close on multifamily real estate in just the past two and a half years. And we've collectively acquired about $85 million worth of real estate. So this is my purpose. This taps into all of my strengths. Everything that I've done in my life has come and manifested in this one thing. So I don't feel split. I get to be all of who I am every single day while I'm serving and leading this community called the multifamily movement. And this is what I do. This is how the journey unfolded. But again, it started with teaching people how to find their purpose in my living room in Brooklyn. Then that it evolved into, uh, I was great at that. But then people said, Julian, I don't, uh, I found my purpose through your workshop, but um, I don't know how to monetize it. So then I said, okay, I'll go two routes. I'll teach you uh, what I know about entrepreneurship. I'll teach you how to write a book. I'll teach you how to be a speaker, or I'll teach you just how to find a job that's in Mm. alignment with your purpose. So that went and that evolved, right? And then from there, I realized that many people were trying to go on this personal development journey alone. The problem with personal development is that it's personal. All the world's most successful people move in packs. Yeah. But personal development says just go in a corner, read a book, and and come out fully self-expressed. But that's actually not how we grow. We grow in community. And again, all the world's most successful people move in packs, whether it's Jay-Z and Beyonce, Steve Jobs and Wozniak. Bill Gates and Balmer, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan and Pippen, everybody moves in packs. And here we are in this personal development industry trying to grow by ourselves. Now, are there moments for solitude? Yes, there are moments for solitude. But solitude and loneliness are two different things. Solitude, you're going in there by choice. You want to cut out all external influences and you just want to tap in and be one with your source, whatever you identify that. Loneliness is where you have that uh, nasty feeling of uh, that it's a void in you that needs to be filled. And so 
um going solitude is essential but personal development it should actually be communal development so that mm -hmm. led me to actually creating mastermind groups right and goal setting groups all across the country and so now all of those things that i've done from helping people find their purpose helping people monetize their gifts and talents um creating masterminds have all manifested in this one idea called the multifamily movement and what i re recently realized over the past year is that the multifamily movement is not actually about real estate what is it about the multifamily movement is a movement of multiple families coming together to create regenerational wealth and enter the asset class. Mm. And multifamily real estate just happens to be the first asset that we are seeking to acquire together. What my students are learning more than anything is not just about how to acquire physical real estate. They're understanding how to use their mental real estate. Mm. This is a mental real estate program. And one of the manifestations that we have. And one of the graduation requirements that we have is you acquiring physical real estate. But what stops people from moving forward is the blockages that they have about abundance being their birthright, that they are a child of God, that uh, and that um, that they can actually do this. How can they get how can they get rid of that? I'm, I'm telling you, I know there's thousands of people yeah. that are watching. that are super excited, you know, but. Two days later, they're going to have some kind of... It may be 20 minutes later after they finish this episode. Yeah. They're going to have that doubt that creeps up in their head. Yeah. And we're human, so naturally it, it may come. Yeah. If those doubts did creep in your head, how did you move past those doubts to become who you are today? Yeah. So right now we're in the information age and everybody's just seeking information on Instagram, YouTube, etc. cetera. And um, information actually does not lead to people's transformation. Mm. It's not information that causes you to transform. It is your identity. Wow. Once your identity changes, which is your being, then your doing naturally changes. And then once your doing changes, what you end up having changes. Yeah. So we're in the information age and people are consuming information. Going back to Rich Dad Poor Dad, 40 million people have bought that book. Yeah. 100%. 40 million people have not bought real estate. 100%. <laughs> So the information is there yeah. and people are overwhelmed by the information and they can get into analysis paralysis. Yeah. But what actually causes somebody to move is when their identity changes. Ooh. When I step into the identity that I am a child of God, when I step into the identity that I am a real estate investor, when I step into the, the identity that abundance is my birthright, when I even just those three identities claiming those and really believing that those are true, then that changes how I move through my life, what I do on a daily basis. And then based on what I do, my having automatically changes. Mm. But right now we are searching for information without the actual inward transformation. Scripture says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, Amen. not by consuming more information, but by the renewing of your mind. And the most powerful two words in the English language are I am. And whatever you say after I am shall be added unto you. So we have to be very clear about our identity. There are some people who believe that uh, they are poor. Like subconsciously, they might not say that publicly, but subconsciously, that's what they believe. Yeah. Or I'm worthless. Or I'm not valuable. Yeah. I'm unworthy. I'm yeah. a sinner. All these things. And that identity is shaping your actual reality. Mm. And so um, for me, the the easiest way to change identity is to go back to your core identity and and the, what's true about all of us. And this is why if I had to name my religion, my religion is child of God. Mm. Because it's true for all of us. We all came from this greater source. Regardless of what you call your religion, what we can agree on is that we're all children of God. We all don't know how we got here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
right? Except through our mother's womb, mm-hmm. right? And so, but we know we came from someplace on high. And so um, when I step into that identity and know that uh, and that informs who I am, what I do, and ultimately what I have. And so uh, it's different because most people say, oh, go read this book or go surround yourself with these people, change your environment. That one, I had to check that one because, you know, you see all these inspirational quotes, just change your environment is about who you surround yourself with. That's partially true. But guess what? There's real estate agents that don't own any real estate. Doesn't make any sense. So you're surrounding yourself with people in real estate, but they actually don't own real estate. Yeah. There's bankers who are broke. Yeah. They're around money all day long. They're around wealthy people all All day day long. long. Man. But they're still not wealthy. Yeah. So even that alone, while it may sound good, is not the answer. The only answer I found to be true is actually accepting a new identity than what you've been subconsciously identifying with. And that's why uh, that's why I started this interview with saying I'm a child of God. That's my highest identity. From there, there's a whole bunch of labels that I have under that, yeah. but there's nothing higher than that. I have the label of father. I have the label of man. I have the label of a person of African descent, right? I have all these labels that go under that, but there, none of those labels trump mm. my core identity, which is being a child of God and knowing that uh, as a child of God, my mother, father, God knows and wants what's best for me and is actually looking out for me and that all things are working together for my good. It's beautiful to really just continue to see how people like you say the same thing. They always say it starts here. Yeah, I, I literally was working out and I saw this guy was really coaching up. I don't know if it was son or just this random guy. He was like, yeah, everybody here, you know, they look good. They in shape, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But they are mentally weak here. You know, and, and if you don't have the strength to really believe in yourself and that identity and to heal from the past, all the stuff that you, you went through to really get your mind right, yeah. then you won't you won't see change. One hundred percent. And and I asked you that. I asked Will Roundtree that. He said the same thing. It's, yeah. it's 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 remarkable to see that that's where it really starts from. It's really the belief in yourself and having that new identity. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so you know, um, I believe that we are all guard inners, guard hyphen inners. You're a gardener of your mind. Yes. This is the most important landscape that you have to till and toil with on a daily basis and based on that landscape will determine what you bear fruit in your life Mm. right so you look at the parable of the sower and things of that nature it talks about seeds being planted well seed being planted on rock is a thought being planted in a hard head yep it's never going to take root right Mm -hmm. and so we have a responsibility to garden our minds to till that for me the garden of eden is here (laughs) yeah This is where the Garden of Eden is. And this place is perfect and pure until it gets programmed by other people's perception of what life should be. Right. All the dogma that's out there. And we have to go back to our place of innocence. So for me, what it means to be reborn is actually going back to that place of purity. Right. Just clearing your mind. And this is where meditation, my daily practice of meditation comes in, because, you know, like a snow globe, when you shake it up, you can't see what's actually in the snow globe. It's too cloudy. Right. But when you just let it sit still, just put it down and just sit still for a second. Yeah. All of that stuff settles down and you can see clearly that's what meditation does for me. And it allows me to tap into my source. We plug in our phones and our computers and these lights and these cameras all the time. But how often are we taking a moment to plug in with our creator? Not just on a Sunday. Yeah. That has to be a daily. That's that's my greatest energy source. Mm. I got to plug into that on a daily basis. And so we our responsibility is to govern this but most of us don't realize that we have been programmed and that we actually aren't running our lives and especially for the young men out here um i was programmed and n- not with malintent 
Yeah. My parents were giving me information and, and trying to guide me in a certain direction based on what worked for their operating system, right? Which was the 60s and the 70s. Getting a good job at a at a corporate, uh, at a Fortune 500 company and riding that out to retirement, that worked for their operating system. But if you take that same strategy and try to apply that to today's operating system, the floppy, there are no floppy disks. Yeah. There are no CD drives to plug in here. So mom and dad, that advice that you gave me, that worked for you, but there's no CD drive. There's no even USB ports on my Mac anymore. Yeah. So you're trying to give me stuff that worked for you that does not work in today's paradigm and today's operating system. And so that's the programming. And then this is why many people butt heads with their parents because their parents are trying to say, this is what got me to success. Just do what I did. Yeah. But you're like, no, this is a brand new world. In fact, here's how you know your parents don't know what they're talking about in many cases. Go ask your parents if they would trade places with you. Mm. Mm. Most of your parents would not trade places with you. Now, don't do that. You might get slapped, right? <laughs> but the reality is most of your parents would not trade places with you because the, the world, this globalized world that you're growing up in is a lot harder than the one that they had to navigate. Wow. Now, it looks on the outside that it's easier because you they had to go to the library and get an encyclopedia to write a book report, right? Yeah. You got the information and the internet at your fingertips. It looks easier on the surface. But with globalization... You are now competing against everybody in your age group in the entire world. Yeah. When they were growing up, they were just competing against the people in their high school classroom. Exactly. They're, they're wherever, their environment right there. They're right there. But now you are competing against everyone in your age group in the entire world. Yeah. And so did you know that there's more honor students in India than America has students, period? <laughs> I did not know that. They have more honor students than we have students in totality. That's wild. So now with the information age and technology... Now I'm actually competing against all of them, yep. whereas that was not the case for our parents' generation. So um, so it's really important for us to um, go through a process of deprogramming. So one, you have to recognize that you've been programmed, mm -hmm. that many of the thoughts that you're having on a daily basis are not yours. They are not your fruits. These are fruits that were planted into you, um, many of them from zero to seven. But of course, as long as you were under your parents' roof, these were seeds that were being planted to you directly or subconsciously just by observing them and the way that they were moving. Mm -hmm. Then from there, you have to go through a process of, of deprogramming, which is looking at all of the ones that you can identify. The, the scariest ones are the ones that you can't even see, yeah. right? The reason I bought a Mercedes-Benz. I yeah. couldn't even see that, right? You have to put them all out on the table. What were my parents' beliefs about money? Uh, what were my parents' beliefs about food? What were my parents' beliefs about love and dating? What were my parents' beliefs about government? What were my parents' beliefs about entrepreneurship? What are my parents' beliefs? And you have to ask the, the beliefs that I inherited from them, are they actually serving me today? Mm. What are my parents' beliefs about God? That's the most important one. Are those beliefs actually serving me today? And then once you've examined all of those, then you get rid of the ones that are not serving you and you have to fill them in. So... In elementary school, we learned the food pyramid. The food pyramid is not an actual healthy eating system, <laughs> but that was a program that yeah. was planted inside of us. Yeah. So now if I throw out the food pyramid, then I have to replace that with a new paradigm, either one that I create or one that I found that is healthier and actually serves me. Yeah. So that's the process of reprogramming. Mm. And then once you've reprogrammed, just like a computer, then you execute or you run the program and you see if it creates a life that you desire. Yeah. So you, one, recognize that you've been programmed. Two, you go through deprogramming, deprogramming, then you go through reprogramming, then you run the program. And once you run the program, there's still going to be bugs. Yeah. And what do you do? You go back to deprogramming, reprogramming, and then you run it again. And you keep running that over and over and over again. And this is all mental work. Yeah. And then observing how your life is unfolding and manifesting. And ultimately, if you continuously do that as the programmer of your life. Yes. Right. 
then you'll start to experience more and more of the life that you desire. I have two points to make, man. One that sounds like radical self-awareness. And I think yeah, you have to be that. You in, in order to really deprogram, in order to reprogram, yeah. you have to really sit down with yourself and see, all right, what's going on around here? And then the second thing is you're minding your business. Go back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That that when when I read that part when it was like you need to mind your business, yeah. I, I really was like, okay, my life, my programming is my own business. That's it. It's like you got to create systems to have a successful business. One hundred percent. So it once once I realized that, and really like yours, yours was a lot more. Uh, I would say uh, ceremonial than mine. Like your wake up. Yeah. Mine was taxes. I got killed with taxes. I was like, no, 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 no. Mm. I need to figure this out. Yeah. Was, I'm not having this. Not happening again. Yep. I got killed. Yep. I understand. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. So when I and I, I deprogrammed everything, yep. brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Once I realized that you have to mind your business, yeah. that's something where it was like my wake up call. I was like, okay, no, nah, I need to get on top of it, yeah. every single thing. I need to create a system for my home. I need to create a system for my health. I need to create a system for my finance. I need to create system, all these systems. Yeah. And therefore, I've been seeing active change. I've been feeling better, been doing better, been mentally stronger. Yes. You know, so I, I really, really want people to really hold on to that, understand that you have to really have that self-awareness, put that work in, deprogram to create those systems, yes. to reprogram to actually see those actual results. 100%. And so one of the most powerful rituals that I do on a daily basis is called uh, a morning mind mapping. Mm. And so basically I take out my tablet and I have a, a template that I've laid out for myself. And in that template, uh, the first and foremost, I actually answer the question, who am I today? Mm. And it's usually a one word answer. I am right? Yeah. So today I am joyful. Yeah. I am grateful, right? Um, so I start there with the identity of who I want to be, how I want to show up today, typically in just one word. Then I do a dump, you know, everybody takes a dump in the morning, <laughs> right? But not that kind of dump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm dumping all of the things that are clouding my mind. Wow. I'm getting them out of my mind and just by writing them down, writing them just down. getting them out of my mind. From there, I go into a list of things that I'm just grateful for, mm. my body, my breath, right? The weather, yeah. the abundance that's flowing in my life. I'm literally just taking a moment to be grateful. Yeah. Then I go into my personal, my business to-do list. Okay. Mm. And by to-do list, I literally mean the number two. Wow. Two things. Just two. What are the two most important things that I must do today? Now, I might write down five. Yeah. But what of, of the five, what are the two most important things in my business that I must do today? Then I do a personal to-do list. Yeah. What are the two most important things that I must do in my personal life? today and yeah. then again there may be five but as long as i accomplish these two then i've won the day yeah. right and then um i do uh prayers of things that i want to attract into my life yeah and then i do prayers for other people yeah and that is my that's how i map my mind in the morning that's the first thing i, I, I wake up and i meditate for 10 to 15 minutes, I don't have a timer. Um, I just I just sit in whatever my body is feeling until I get to a certain place. Right. I meditate, right? That is allowing the snow globe to, to settle. Yeah. And then I go into my morning, my mapping process to really just clear my mind and organize my thoughts. And then I step into my workday. So that is a system and a ritual and a process that I use um, to uh, bring more clarity to my day, bring more ease to my day, and really be clear about what I want and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Yeah, that's, that sounds like you kind of like mixed the. Uh, you ever heard the Acts form of prayer? 
No, I have not. Yeah, so like it's kind of like you mix the action form of prayer with like a to do list, which is beautiful. I think it's, it's I yeah, think it's genius. It sounds dope. Yeah, cause, uh, it's like you know the book of Acts. So it's an acronym. So A is adoration. Mm-hmm. You know, you adore God. You can speak about yourself as well. You know, that's what you first do, and you can not only write it down, but you can. This is a form of prayer. So y'all yeah. want to learn how to pray? This is what it is. Yeah. You know, so you can write it down, and you can you know speak it out as well. C is confession. You know, mm. like, you know, what, what, what am I like getting all that dirt out of your mind? Like you said, like, all right, this is cloud mm-hmm. in my mind. You know, I messed up here. This yep. is still bothering me. That's I amazing. need to, I need to apologize for this. And then T is Thanksgiving, writing down and or praying what you're thankful for. Yes. Thankful for this. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for, you know, whatever. Yes. And then S is supplication. You ask and you can, that ask is asking for what you want, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, mentally, that's you know, amazing. those things. And you could also pray for others. You, you That's the same thing with supplication as well. I and love it. you kind of really mesh that together with the to-do list of your personal and your business. Yeah. And I think that just makes so much sense because you get to pray, you get to put it all out, you know what you need to do yeah. today. And you met with God and now you're going off and, you know, Killing Doing it. Doing the work. Know? Yeah. Doing the it, work. And, and I, I think what people need to realize, like, that system yeah. creates atomic habits. Shout out to atomic habits. You know, that yeah. system creates those habits, and you create those habits. It's literally like you getting... I literally read this like the other day. You yeah. get 1% better every single day. It has a compounding effect. 100%. And your life is literally a mirror today. It's yes. crazy. Yes, yes, yes. 100%. I'm in it's alignment crazy. with that. I love that form of prayer. Yeah, man. I, I think people need to really, if they don't take anything away from that, they, that's what they need to take away from this because, you know, they will really get get better from that and really understand where, you know, where their life could be if they yeah. can really do all those things man and i can really sit here and talk to y'all all, all day <laughs> i i like what people are learning today i really want them to take action i want them to be good stewards with their money yeah so in order for them because like i know they have to get better at certain things before they just jump at real estate yeah what are some of those things that people need to get better at that you coach to other people so they can really get started with that those real estate yeah um it's actually helping people get clearer on their relationship to money there you go yeah i call it financial spirituality yes and it's really understanding what money is and what its true purpose is you know a lot of people think that money is going to solve all their problems but it's not mm. and here's why um if you pour an entire ocean into a colander, your colander is what you uh, drain spaghetti with, right? Mm-hmm. If you pour the entire ocean to a co- into a colander, what's going to happen? It's still going like, to fill up? It'll still be empty. Mm-hmm. Okay, it'll just flow through. It'll still flow through, yeah. even if you pour the entire ocean to it. Because you got holes in it. Because you, you have go. holes in it. So some people's mindset and relationship with money, it still has holes. So even if they got more money, these holes are still exist. Mm. They still exist. Mm. Right. And so the next form is kind of the Dave Ramsey structure, which is just a bucket. Just save money. Yeah. Have no debt. Save money. Yeah. Right. And the problem with that is that you end up hoarding money. Yeah. Yep. You have a receiving function, but there's no giving function. And that's that's what happened with me last year. Yeah. I held a lot of money in, and I shouldn't have held a lot of money Understood. In. Understood. Yeah. So then there is the watering can. Mm. The watering can is how you water plants, right? Yeah. It has a receiving function, and it has a giving function. Yes. yes. And based on what I understand about how money moves is that the creator, the source, likes to give to watering cans. Wow. It likes wow. to give the watering cans because money, by definition, is literally just stored energy. Mm. That's all it is. It's just stored energy. It's an inert spiritual substance that we are meant to use, not to hoard. Mm. 
right? And so when you understand it as such, and what I mean by the stored energy, you had 100 apples and I had a cow. Yeah. Okay. I wanted 20 apples, but you did not want 20% of a cow. Mm. So we wrote down on a piece of paper that I owe you the equivalent of 20% of a cow at a future date. Yeah. That is money. <laughs> Basically. That's money. Yeah. Because you put all this energy to actually create those apples or to hold space for those apples to grow. You put water into your field. You hired people. You picked them, et cetera. You put energy into that. Now it's your that energy that you put into it is stored in this piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. But it's called currency because currency is supposed to what? Circulate. Mm. It's supposed to have a current. Mm. But we've been taught to save money. Now, most people don't realize this, but money is the lowest yielding asset in the entire world. Mm, mm, mm. The only reason that people paper chase is because money is liquid. It is the easiest way to convert into other forms of assets. But yeah. at the end of the day, that is its only value mm. because in your bank of account, it is only yielding 0.03% interest. Using the rule of 72, which teaches you how much, how long it's going to take your money to double, 72 divided by 0.03 is 2,400 years. <laughs> You cannot save your way to wealth. Nah, not it's at impossible. All. Yeah. So a real estate at a twelve percent cash on cash return, seventy two divided by twelve is every six years your money is doubling. Mm. So if you ever want to know how quickly your money is going to double in an investment, you take seventy two divided by the interest rate, and that will tell you. Yeah. Okay. On top of that, we are experiencing extreme inflation in this country because the government has just been printing money and going into deeper and deeper debt. And every time they do that, they make your dollar less valuable. So. Your cash is actually losing value. If inflation goes up by 6% and you only got paid 0.03%, you just took a 6% L by holding money. Yeah. Your responsibility is to circulate that mm. into ideals, ideas, investments that you believe are going to create the world that you desire. Mm. Right? And so this is the purpose of money is to circulate it, not to hoard it. Hoarding it doesn't serve anybody. When people save money, right, they think that that is financial security. Mm -hmm. But what it's really a sign of is a sign of financial insecurity. There you go. Yeah. Because what they're saying is that I don't know how to grow this $1,000 in my bank account at a greater rate than 0.03%. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to give it to the bank who's then going to go lend it back to me at 4% on a mortgage. And they're going to make money off of my money. <laughs> So it's really saving money beyond your emergency fund is literally a sign of financial insecurity, not a sign of financial security. Wow. So we are meant to circulate this stored energy. We are supposed to give dead presidents life. We're supposed to resurrect dead presidents. Yeah. Right. And so the reason my creator keeps giving to me is because it knows that the buck does not stop here. Yeah. Why would the creator take this valuable substance called energy, give it to you just so you could hoard it and yeah. hold it like this? Yeah. What good does that do anybody except for you? Right. Because I receive money and I put it back into things that I do think are doing good or God's work, creator keeps giving to me because it keeps circulating because mm. it knows that it's not going to. I play hot potato with money. Mm. I play hot potato. I get it. Then I have a way to use it yeah. in a greater way than it just sitting here as this piece of paper. See, people think that slavery is over. Mm. Slavery not over just because you don't see chains anymore. It's not over. Modern day slavery is mental and it is monetary. Did you know that the U.S. dollar is 75% cotton? I didn't know that, no. The U.S. dollar is 75% cotton. Sheesh. So most people are still out here on the corporate plantation every single day picking cotton and they didn't even know it. Man. Man. I mean, that's, I mean, 
the the bars that you are spitting and the knowledge and the truth that you're spilling is really just is life changing. You know, I, I really hope people take advantage of what you're saying because it's so much truth in that because I see you as I like how I want to be a server and an educator. Period. 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 And it's not about elevating our name. Nope. It's about elevating God's name. One hundred percent. You know, so it's it's just like when like when God put that on my heart, they always say you need to go find somebody that has the life that you want and that's doing what you do. Yeah. And mirror them. And just to see this sitting across from me, it's like, I really want to cry. <laughs> like, you know, I really want to break down because even in, like, above the cameras, you know what I mean? Even in this industry, it's not a lot of super authentic people. And when you are in this industry, in the content creating industry, it's it's good to see authenticity. I appreciate like, that. Like, it's, it's really good to see. And that's something where, like, I, I am grateful that you're one of the leaders because you're you're a leader that's also being led, one hundred percent, and that's and that's something where we need more nowadays. You know, we like we don't need leaders just trying to make their name great. We need leaders that are being led by the creator that's here to educate and yes. serve. Yes, and it's just and I just want to I personally want to give you your flowers. If nobody else is going to give you your flowers, you I know, appreciate that. like what you have done, I'm telling you, God is so proud of you. Like I'm I'm telling you that that God is looking down on you. This is my son who I'm well pleased. And and I feel like that's the message that he wants to, me to give you today. And this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to do um, this interview because I knew that that was you. And like you said, I'm not as big as you as far as content and you know popularity, but I know it's not a lot of people saying that to you sometimes. I know it's hard, bro. Yeah. I know it's hard being in your position because being, especially when you feel like you have nobody besides you losing the left and right to you sometimes, it gets tough. Yeah. It gets really tough. But like, I'm here to really give you your flowers to, to say, man, what you're doing here is, is really remarkable. And when, when, when you, you know, get to heaven and God literally sh like show you what you have done in this world, like, like I, I want to be a part of it. Like I literally want to be one of those branches of trees that you have. You shaped the Bigo family because you spoke to me. You know, like I, I love seeing great passion and purpose. And it just draws me in because we need more of that nowadays, especially in this information era, especially everybody's trying to get clout, trying to make a name for themselves. It's a lot going on right here around mm -hmm. here. So I just want to thank you, man, honestly, for, for this, for this conversation, you know, like, I, like, this is, this is something I needed personally. And I, I appreciate you, man. Um, and I literally, I can talk to you all day long. <laughs> I don't want to take up all of your time, but man, if there's, if there's people here that's impacted, I, I, I want you all to reach out to him, tell him what he has like what he has taught you and how he's impacted you june where can they find you man oh man <laughs> where can they find man, you man i'm just receiving your words man that was that was absolutely beautiful and i appreciate that man heart to heart i appreciate that um that means a lot to me and and i can tell that the creator is speaking through you to me um and that affirmation i'm usually the one affirming and building you. other people up so to hear that from you and in this context it, it means a lot um so i'm just really great grateful for you and You're for welcome, the, those words um 
in order to connect with me, the number one platform I'm on is Instagram. Um, and that's J-U-L-L-I-E-N Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N um, on Instagram. But if you want to learn uh, about multifamily real estate, uh, you can go to rentfree.com rentfree.com as simple as that you you want to get rid of rent go to rentfree.com and if you want to get deeper into uh financial spirituality you can go to moneyandmanifestation.com to get my book rich and righteous so those are the three ways to get in contact with me anybody has any questions go ahead and dm me comment below on this video and i'll be checking back consistently to see if there's any questions there as well you heard it here first. I'm, I'm telling y'all, y'all need to really take advantage of, of this man, his mind. You know, he, he is a walking, living legend, you know, and I think that, you know, this is one of my favorite episodes to really put for you all because it's all, it's not about, you know, the roommates or the brand or anything like that. It's really about impacting and changing lives. And mm-hmm. that's why this interview had to happen because I knew this man, it was literally being led by God to really impact and change lives. So take advantage. You know, this is his passion. This is his purpose. So make sure y'all reach out to them. My name is Chris. I will mm-hmm. see you all next week. And we are joined by Julian Gordon, AKA Mr. Multifamily. Woo! Adios. Adios. Adios.